Amen. Thank you, Mandy. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to have you here today. You know, we at Epic always enjoy challenges. And, um, you know, that's part of what it means to be Epic is to be ready for a challenge and to adjust to it quickly. We came in this morning to a dance floor that was installed in the building. Um, So you probably can't tell from where you are because we have strategically covered it up. But we have a dance floor under us right now. And so we came in this morning going, wow, what do we do? And um, we got real busy, and a team uh, got prepared to pull that off. So if you are sitting up in the front, please be careful. There is a little ledge at the edge of the dance floor that you might stumble upon. Um, And if I just start, you know, busting a move on the stage, you know why? I'll try not to do that. Thanks for laughing at my poor jokes. Um, Great to have you here today. We are in week four of our 5G series And what we've been learning in this series is that if you are a Christ follower, if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, the goal of your Christian life should be for me to move this stand. I'm sorry, I was just distracted, and I'm going to move it down. Brandon, we'll have to figure that later. Um, So I was saying that if you're a Christ follower, your goal, the goal of your life should be to become like Jesus. Scripture says that, that that what God wants for each one of us on our journey in growing in Christ is is that we learn what it meant to live like Jesus. We learn how Jesus lived, and we model our lives after his. So we become like Jesus as we walk on our journey with God. And here at Epic, we have wrestled with that concept and the idea, a lot of churches have wrestled with that idea of how do you move people from where they are to becoming like Jesus. And so for us, we came up with this 5G strategy, and I'm going to run through these real quick just to remind you what they are. So it starts with God, and that's talking and listening to God on a regular basis, on a daily basis. So we learn how to talk to him. We learn how to listen to him every day. Jesus modeled that. That's how Jesus lived his life. He talked with his Father all the time. All right, so God, grow, gather, give, and go. So after we're praying, talking with God every day, then we need to learn from God and apply what we are learning. You know, spiritual uh, growth is not about how much Bible you know. It's about how much Bible you apply. And so on the journey, we've got to talk to God on a regular basis. Then we have to learn from his word and then learn how to apply that in our lives. And then the third G is gather. So Tim was here last week talking about this issue of gathering, that God has not meant for any of us to live in isolation. And many of us do. And so God is calling us out of isolation into a relationship with himself and into community with each other. And so we've got to learn how to gather with a small group of Christ followers to live in biblical community. Now today we're going to be talking about giving of your time, your talents, and your resources to advance the kingdom of God. And then next week we're going to be talking about the fifth G, which is go. Tell people about Jesus with your life and your words. So that's the five G's for us, and we're going to try to uh, make that language that you guys hear often around here so we can uh, keep that at the forefront of our lives and keep learning what it means to become like Jesus in our lives. Now, the topic that we are going to tackle today is one that usually makes people a little uncomfortable. So I'm going to say it. We're going to talk about the give word, okay? So just try to you know, get the quivers out of your stomach early. Um, we've got some paramedics on duty if anybody feels nauseous. If you feel like you're going to pass out or anything, just raise your hand and you know, somebody will come over to your rescue. A lot of people feel real weird when a pastor starts talking about giving. But today we're talking about giving of our time, of our talents, and of our resources. 
And this is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus modeled for us. And so we're just going to walk through a journey together. And actually, I'm going to tell you today six reasons why I give personally. So it's just kind of be kind of like me sharing, you know, some significant points of my journey uh, in my relationship with God and why I give on a regular basis back to God. Now, the first reason is going to be uh, rather profound, and it is this. I give because I like how it makes me feel. Kind of self-serving, sounds like, doesn't it? Um, but I like what happens inside of me when I give. You know, there's something incredible that happens deep inside of who I am when I give to someone else. And I don't know if it's my age, I don't know if I'm a late learner, I'm not sure exactly what it is, um, but when I give to someone in their time of need, or just to give to them, period, something happens inside me. And I've reached that season of life, for me personally, where on Christmas morning, anybody like Christmas around here? I'm a big Christmas fan. I love the Christmas season. I'm not so big on the commercialism and all that stuff, but I love Christmas, and um, I've got one of those apps on my phone that tells you how many days till Christmas, and my kid's like, 364! I'm like, yeah, we got a while. And they, you know, they just did it this morning. I think it's like 118 or something like that. So we're big Christmas fans. Um, but it's the season. It's what happens in the season. It's not what happens on you know, Christmas Day with the presents and all that, but it's about Jesus and the greatest gift that he's given us. Um, but on Christmas morning, for me personally, I get a thrill out of watching my kids open their gifts. I mean, it is just so much fun for me to watch them and watch their eyes, watch my wife, watch my four kids, just their eyes pop open when they get something that they've been excited about or something they've been hoping for or something they're surprised by. It is so much fun to give to my kids on Christmas morning. And, you know, I've kind of reached that season where it's like, you know, I really don't want anything. You know, they ask, well, what do you want for Christmas? I don't, I, you know, I've got so much. I just, I really don't want anything else. And as a kid, I would hear my mom and dad say that. They would say, you know what, we just don't want anything. And I'd say, yeah, right, whatever. I mean, that's just like that, you know, reverse psychology stuff that God's doing, you know, so make you think you don't want anything. So then if you don't get anything, you don't feel so bad. And it kind of worked out for me as a kid because I like to give, or I like to get and my parents like to give, so it was kind of a nice exchange between us. But Jesus used to say, it is better to give than receive. And when our team was down in Guatemala this past uh, summer, that verse was echoing in my mind on a regular basis. I, I would just have an experience and that verse would run through my brain. It's better to give than it is to receive. And how true that is. I was just reminded again at really deep levels at this mission trip. So here we are, you know, this team coming from Flagler County. There were like 39 of us or something between our church and another church joined together. And we went down to, to Guatemala. And, you know, here we are, the Americans going down to help those poor Guatemalan people. And when we get there, most of us realized that they have way more than we have. And as we were pouring our lives out for them, God did this supernatural thing of filling us up. So we poured our lives out and helped and served and did all kinds of really neat things in one week. It's amazing what 39 people can accomplish in a week. And as we did that, God just said, you know what, I'm just going to fill you up supernaturally. There's something that you can't experience or you can't know about it until you experience it. You won't just know about it by talking about it. 
You'll know about it by doing it. And when you pour your life out, I'll just do this supernatural thing that will happen inside of you. And many of us just came back very different. Um, I had the privilege of taking my oldest daughter with me. And I watched my 14-year-old, I watched her heart break as she walked into a little home that had like tin sheeting around it. And then they had just a bucket in the corner for a toilet. And, um, you know, she came back and was just broken as she shared that. And um, it made her bedroom not look so bad. And I was really happy for that. So something happens deep inside of us when we give. It's a great thing. And I know that God has known that about us as humans. And he knows that when we get beyond ourselves and our hoard it mentality and we give, some incredible things happen. I think God planned it that way. So the second reason that I give is because I want my kids to become givers. My kids will learn um, how to navigate life by what they see me do. So if they see me giving, they're going to learn to give. If they see me taking from life, they will learn to be takers. I don't want my kids to be takers. And and you all know that in life there are givers and there are takers. There are those that, that want more and will have no problem taking what you have. I just don't want to be associated with that. I don't want my kids to be associated with that. You know, if it means that we will sacrifice so others can have... I'm okay with that because I think Jesus did that for me. And so I want my kids to learn what it means to, to give. And, and it's so neat because they are. Like right now, I've got a, a, a four kids here. And two of my oldest kids, my 14-year-old and my 12-year-old, are serving in our Epic Kids areas. They are helping to point younger kids towards Jesus in a way that helps them understand what a relationship with Jesus is like. And so it's just so neat to watch them and hear the stories that they share about some of your kids that are in there throwing fits and stuff. It's really cool. I got some kids in there too that are throwing fits, so they talk about my kids. They say, Cody, he was rotten today, and so I got to get on Cody. Come on, man, can't be doing that. So it's so cool to watch my kids give. Um, our epic, one of our Epic Kids classes adopted a little girl in Haiti by the name of Karen. And so that means they give, I think it's like $30 a month. That class raises $30 a month to send to Karen. And my little Annie, my little seven-year-old, loves to give to Karen. She talks about Karen like she's this adopted sister she's never seen, which she has never seen. But she's so excited about Karen. And she's so excited about giving to Karen. So she gets a little bit of money, and she just hands it right over and says, make sure Karen gets this. And it's so neat to watch that. When we were headed to Guatemala... We needed to raise some money for that, and our little Annie had, I don't know, $30 for her birthday or something. She handed 20 over to her big sister and said, this is for you to go to Guatemala. Like my little seven-year-old is giving. It's so neat. Um, our family sponsors a little child in Ecuador, uh, Wilson David. Um, it's really kind of a neat thing. So we kind of, our family just gives like $30 a month to help this young man um, get enough food and education and grow. We've never met him. I hope one day that we'll get a, get a chance to meet him. But it's so neat to hear my kids talk about that. You know, they talk about him as like he's the little adopted brother. And it bothers Cody sometimes because he's the only boy, you know, and um, he doesn't want another brother or a brother, period. And, um, but it's so neat for our family to talk about that. So I love watching my kids learn how to become givers. The third reason I give is because God has given to me. John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in the world. If you don't know it, you probably have seen it at a football game somewhere. Um, It says this, For God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. 
when I die, I'm confident I'll stand in the presence of my creator because he gave to me and because he has given to you. The Bible actually describes heaven like this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend what God has prepared for those who love him. You know, I'm pretty amazed at the earth that God created in six days. And he, God has had like 2,000 plus years to create heaven. And I'm so excited about one day getting to experience that just because God has given to us. And you know, we are a broken people. So God started us off in a right relationship with him and then we broke that because of sin. And God goes, you know what? I'm going to step out of the splendor of heaven. I'm going to give my son. So Jesus said, I'll go. God said, I'll give my son. Go to planet earth to die so that you and I could live, so that you and I could spend eternity in heaven. I mean, sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? You know, that we get to heaven on Jesus' merits, not based upon our own, not based upon what we can do, but based upon what God has done for us. So God has given to us so much, and God wants us to in turn learn how to give to others. The fourth reason that I give is because Jesus tells us to give. In Luke 6, 38, Jesus says, Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make more room, uh, running over and pouring into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. This is that last sentence again. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. So Jesus says, Whatever container that you decide to use to pour your life out, God will take that and use that same container to give back to you. God says, I'll make sure that it's full. I'll make sure that it's shaken together, pressed down. I'll make sure that it's overflowing. But whatever container you decide to give is the container I'll in turn give back to you. And so the question for all of us is what size container would you like to receive from God? Now, usually I want the big container. You know, I want the super size. And God goes, okay, if you want the super size, give the super size. So some of us, you know, would like to give God a thimble full of stuff and would like to get back an ocean full. God goes, that's not how it works. But in my own relationship with God, I'm trying to learn how to upgrade the container that I use to give on a regular basis. So regularly I'm learning, okay, God, you might want me to give more. And so I wrestle with that. My wife and I wrestle with that concept. My family and I wrestle with that concept. How can we give more? Because God has given to us so much. So we just want to upgrade and trade up the size of our container that we give back to God. In Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says that when we give, we are storing up treasures in heaven. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the des desires of your heart will also be. So treasures here on earth won't last forever. They, they don't mean very much. It doesn't mean that much to have a nice bank account. It doesn't mean that much to have nice cars. It doesn't mean that much to live in a really nice home. It just won't last forever. You know, it'll, it'll fall apart. It'll be destroyed. It will waste away. But that which is set aside in eternity, when we store up treasures in heaven, then that'll last forever. So when you get there, you've got these incredible rewards waiting you. And the Bible talks a lot about rewards. 
waiting for those who poured their lives out for God, those who have given their lives back to God. So the challenge from Jesus is to give. Learn how to store up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. Fifth reason that I give is because giving helps me become like Jesus. I've found in general for myself, I can be a rather selfish person. Uh, My wife can attest to that, I'm sure, if you talk to her. Um, When my selfishness is in full swing, I get real creative about the things that I want, the things I want to control, relationships I want to control, because it means I can have. And so giving helps me battle that stuff that's inside of me. So when I give, it, it directly attacks that part of me that wants to keep, that part of me that wants to, to be a taker instead of a giver. And when we give, we are most like our creator. And that's what God wants for us. So when we give, we're tapping into the reality that we are made in the image of God himself. And so God is a giver, and he wants us to learn how to become givers. The reality about giving is that giving is like Christianity 101. You know, we move it to a different place often. We move it to, yeah, that's for those people that have been walking with God for a really long time, and they're really spiritually mature, and they really got a good handle on that. And Jesus says, you know what? Giving is like the basics of the faith. You want to learn how to to live in my ways and to become like me? Learn to give right away. As soon as you cross a bridge of faith, give your heart to Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to learn to give. Just start giving, giving of your time, giving of your talents, giving of your resources. I I believe that we cannot call ourselves committed Christ followers and not be giving. It's not possible to say, hey, I'm a committed Christ follower, but I'm just not going to give of my time, talents, and resources. Those two don't go together. So if you seriously want to become like Jesus, then he says, start learning how to give of your time, your talents, and your resources. Now I'm going to zero in for a moment on money, because it's part of my story. It may not be part of your story, but it's part of my story, so I'm going to talk about that for just a moment. The Bible teaches that each Christ follower should give back to God through a local church what's called a tithe of our earnings, and a tithe simply means 10%. So for every $10 that we make, God says, I want you to set aside $1 and give it back to me. And several things happen as we do that, and we give through a local church. It helps the church function as God designed the church to function. And it also reminds us that everything we have comes from God. It's this regular thing that God says, you know what, set aside a portion of your income and give it back to me so you'll remember that everything you have comes directly from me. It's not you. It's not that 80 hours of work that you put in. It's not the the brilliance that you think you have to accomplish whatever you think you're accomplishing. It's me. I gave you all that. I gave you the time that you need to earn money. I gave you the the mental capacity to do that. I gave you the abilities that you have to earn. And so I want you to remember that everything comes from me. So set aside a portion of your income and give it back. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn over to Malachi 3, which is found on page 729. Malachi 3, page 729 in our paperback Bibles. And I want to read a passage here that's often used when it comes to giving. Um, But I just want to read through this, and I want some of this to sink in for us. So Malachi 3, starting in verse 8, again, page 729. This is God speaking here. And he says, Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? 
You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. Now, for years in my own um, relationship with God, I was doing the other four G's uh, fairly well. Those were things that were active in my life. I was praying on a regular basis. I was reading my Bible. I was meeting with other Christ followers. I was also, from time to time, telling people about Jesus as, as God provided those opportunities. But I was not doing this giving thing. It just was not a regular part of my life, which means I wasn't applying what I'd already known that God wanted me to do. And we all have all kinds of excuses when it comes around to this subject of giving, why we, we don't give to God. Some people say they don't trust the church leaders uh, to make right decisions with the money. I know I've been there before in my own life. Um, Others say that they don't make enough money to do that practice of tithing. I actually heard a guy who said this. He made too much money to tithe. And um, I thought, I'd like to have that problem. I think that'd be a really good problem to have, to make too much money. I just can't tithe. It's too, too many zeros behind that check I'd have to write. But my reason for not tithing was that I didn't think I made enough money. Uh, And so God took me on a journey to show me that I I did make enough. And I would tell God on a regular basis, um, God, I just don't make enough. You know, if you would want to bless me with more, that'd be great. You know, I really want to do this principle because I know it's in Scripture. I know it's true. I know you want me to do it. And one day I will, I really will, when you decide to bless me more. And so he decided to give me less so I would learn how to tithe. And in the church environments that I grew up in, uh, they did this thing called pass the plate. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but ushers would come by and this plate would come past. And I just like sweat would be pouring off of me, just feeling so guilty and like, who's behind me? Are they going to see what I put in? Maybe I'll put in, the, you know, be the generous tipper, dig, dig deep and grab that dollar bill and crumple it up and, and, and stick it in there. So I just felt a lot of pressure when it came to this. And uh, at, about at that time, Tammy and I had gotten married and um, together we were both working, and our combined income was about $60,000 together, and um, we had several credit cards that had um, some nice amounts on them, because at that moment, I was suffering from this instant gratification thing, so I saw something that I wanted, and I brought it home, because I had this card, and it said I had money, and so I would just go ahead and bring it home, and we would worry about it later, and we worried about it for years later, Um and then in 1997, um, Tammy resigned her job. She was a, a teacher here in the county. And we just struggled with that. You know, how in the world are we going to survive on half of our income? And uh, we just got to the point where we said, you know what? We just feel like that's what God is calling us to do for our family. Uh, she was pregnant with our second child at the time. And she decided to resign her job. And so we went down to about $30,000 of income. And then uh, in 98... I took a job offer in Virginia to go um, back to school to finish my graduate degree. And there's this great arrangement between me and the university there that if I would work for them, they would pay for my education. And uh, so it was a full-time job kind of a deal. And on top of that, they would pay me an astounding $10,000 a year to work for them. So we went from, you know, the 60000 to 30000 to 10000 and it was at that 10,000 mark that Tammy and I looked at each other and said, we've got to try this tithing thing. This is so bizarre. Um, I'm not sure how much farther we can go down. And uh, so it was at that mark, we said, you know what, we're going to start tithing. We're going to figure this thing out. We're going to put God to the test, and we are going to begin tithing. Now, my take-home pay was $700 a month. 
and our van payment was, um, geez, I don't remember, like $350 a month or something like that. So there wasn't a whole lot left over. So Tammy would start writing our $35 checks every two weeks. And um, she would pull it out of her purse, and she would put it in the basket. And we would both kind of laugh and say, well, if God can do something with that, then God's pretty amazing because it's $35. And I'm sure at the office they'll be going, what in the world? They're not even close to tithing. And that was for us where, where we were beginning. That was what we had. That was 10% of what we had. Um, when we got to Virginia, we had several credit card debts, about $5,000 worth of credit card debt. Ended up with some hospital bills on top of that. We left Virginia two years later, had no credit card debt, had no hospital bills, and were still given. I have no idea how that worked out. It doesn't work out on paper to this day. I couldn't do the math. I, well, my math is pretty interesting because I can do some funny math. But I could not get our numbers to work. And the only thing that I could explain that away with was that God was keeping his end of the bargain. God was keeping his promise. So listen to how Malachi continues on in verse 10. It says, Bring all the tithes in the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So as we learn to obey God in this giving thing, God promises to protect and to provide. So it does two separate things here. And Tammy and I have many stories um, through our journey of learning how to trust God in this specific area where God says, test me. Um, one time uh, while we were in Virginia, again, I told you our, our van payment was like three fifty with insurance and stuff. So after our, our bills were paid and everything, we had about $200 left for food and gas. And we had uh, two young kids at the time. And our, they, again, they never worked out on paper. But God provided me a part-time job in addition to my full-time job that just worked perfectly with what I was doing. And, and through that um, very s- small extra income job, um, we were able to continue living there for a significant amount of time. I'm just regularly blown away. We got to a point where I'm going, I got to quit and we got to move back home. I got to go get my job back in Florida because we just cannot survive here anymore. And God said, no, you'll survive in less than you think that you'll survive. You just got to hang in there and, and I'll show up and I'll provide for you. One day I went to our mailbox and I pulled out an envelope that had $309 in cash in it to meet our bills for that month. $309. I, I want to know, like, either someone took the $1 that made it 310 or somebody stuck $9 in there. I don't know what the, where the 9 came from, but $309 in cash that God met our needs. In my life, I have been given four cars. God has given four cars to me and, and my family over since uh, I've been driving. And some of the cars didn't last very long. Some of them were a little bit older um, than others, but right now I'm driving a car that someone has blessed my family with. Someone called us up and said, hey, we'd like to bless you, and uh, gave us a car that's um, beyond what we can imagine. Um, we're so thankful for it. And God has protected our other cars. My wife drives our 99 Chevy Suburban with 195,000 miles on it. It's great. We're going for the gusto. 
We're driving that thing until it just stops. If you see it on the side of the road, just leave it alone. We're going to put like a tombstone right there, and it'll be a memorial to God and God's faithfulness of how he's protected and and provided for us. I think there are angels in the engine because it just keeps on going. And we haven't had any major problems. I'm looking for wood to knock on, but I guess with God you don't need to knock on wood. So I've had also the, the privilege of giving some cars away. Um, you know, we could have made some extra cash on some of those cars that we've had to give away. But God has, has said, you know, I just want you to be about blessing other people. And it's just so neat to be able to give to someone in their time of need. Um, there was one encounter with a, a, a person like this who was in need of a car. And they were talking with another person in their life. And that person said, let's start praying that God will give you a car. And that person said, that stuff just doesn't happen for me. That's just not part of my story. That's somebody else's story. That's just not my story. And uh, God placed that person on uh, Tammy and my heart, and we called them up and said, hey, we've got a car for you. And um, it was just so cool to watch this person's response. Um, They were broken in that moment of God choosing to provide for them um, through us. And apparently you know that our cars at the end, if we give away this 195000 mile car there's not much left to them sometimes but um, God has allowed us to bless others and this one vehicle that we gave person drove for like several more years and it's just so neat to be about about giving so either God provides the resources that we need or he protects our current resources as we trust him and as we give back to God And Tammy and I are regularly learning this concept, this truth, this, um, sometimes it's a Christian cliche kind of a statement that we cannot outgive God. It's not possible for you or I to outgive God. He will always give us back way more than we ever give to him. All right, the sixth reason that I give, there are lots of places that I could give of my time, talents, and resources. There are a lot of places that you could give of your time, your talents, and resources. You could go to the Red Cross, and you could volunteer there. You could give money there. You could go to the Humane Society. You could show up at our local hospital and say, hey, I would like to volunteer. You could go to one of our local schools and say, hey, I want to be a volunteer in local schools and impact young children for the future. There's a lot of places. But the reason that I give through a local church is because Jesus is the hope of the world and he has selected local churches to carry that message to the world. Jesus has selected local churches to carry his message to transform the world. So being involved in a local church from what I read in scripture is not just a good thing. It's a critical thing. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, God says get plugged into a local church. So just like we cannot be growing in our relationship with God and not be giving, I think the same is true when it comes to being involved in a local church. We cannot say, you know what, I'm a committed Christ follower, I'm growing in in all ways that God wants me to grow and not be connected in a local church. It's just not possible because Jesus has selected local churches to carry his message to the world. Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. So the local church is a really big deal to Jesus. It should be a really big deal to us. And as we pull our resources together and our talents, our time, and uh, amazing things can happen in our community. I mean, I love to give of my time, talents, and resources here to this place at Epic because I love what God is doing here. 
It's amazing to watch people being transformed. It's amazing to watch the community that God is building here. It's amazing to watch as we learn what it means to be the church and not just do church. And so I'm just thrilled to be a part of this journey with you guys. And so as you grow in your relationship with God, God says get plugged into a local church. And if that's here, great, we welcome you. If it's another community, great, get plugged in. Find a church and and be a full participant in in that congregation there. As I was getting ready for this talk, I, I grabbed my journal here. Um, I'm one of those, those journalers that if you can see the front, which you can't see it, so I will read it to you. It says, 2001. So I started this journal in 2001, and then there's, it says 2002, 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. All right, so this journal has lasted me a long time, okay? So I like write the highlights. I don't really get that serious about journaling. But after my experience in Virginia, where my wife and I were there and we came home, I just sat down one day and, and um, God said, I want you to write down the things that I've been teaching you over the past few years. And so I just wrote these things. First thing I wrote was tithing. It's not about money. It's about trusting in God to meet my needs. I really cannot outgive God. He'll beat me every time. And then I wrote about needs. God will meet my needs all the time. God will always meet my needs. He's promised to do so in Matthew chapter 6. When we were in Virginia, I lived in Matthew chapter 6. I read Matthew chapter 6 all the time. If you're struggling with a need issue, um, I encourage you to read the last portion of Matthew chapter 6 on a regular basis. Church commitment. I need to be committed to serving others by serving at church. This is before I was on staff at a church. It's not about me. It's about Christ. I am to serve God, not myself. And then the last thing I wrote is change of perspective. There must come a time when we decide to give instead of receive. I shouldn't come to God or church asking what I can get. I should instead be asking what I can give. So those are some of the lessons that I personally have learned on my journey. Now as we kind of turn the corner here, I want to engage a challenge of you. I want to challenge each one of you to give of your time, your talents, and your resources because I believe that giving is one of those major catalysts in your spiritual growth. You'll go to a certain spot in your spiritual growth. If you don't engage giving, you'll kind of stall out right there. And you engage giving, you'll explode the doors off and you'll go where I think God wants all of us to go. Again, it's a foundational element. This is Christianity 101 stuff when it comes to giving. So I want to encourage you in the three areas that we talked about today. I want to encourage you and challenge you to start giving God your best time. You know, often God gifts our leftovers. He gets, the, you know, whatever we have left at the end of a day or at the end of a week or whatever. And we just say, God, you know, I hope you can use this. God goes, I never give you my leftovers. Don't give me yours. Give me the best of your time. And then I challenge you to start giving God your best talents. God has placed inside of you things that are there to advance the kingdom. And when you don't use them, not only do you lose, but we lose as a church family. Not only do uh, people around you lose. So start giving of your talents, the things that you are good at. And you see, you know, there are a lot of different people around here doing things that are, they're really good at. And God has placed inside of you something that you're good at. We need to help you find out what that is and help you get active in doing that. And the third thing, I challenge you to start giving 10% of your income. I know some of your, your, your mind's short-circuiting right now. I understand. I've been there. But I really challenge you to really have a conversation with God about this and put him to the test and try it 
and see if he doesn't fulfill his promise. See if he doesn't um, protect your current resources or provide the things that you need. And I know some of you are in really tight spots financially. I'm not asking you to do anything that I wouldn't do. I'm not asking you to do anything that, that Jesus hasn't asked all of us to do. But in your relationship with God, God says, set aside a portion of your income and give it back through a local church in recognition that everything comes from me. Now, if you're not comfortable giving here, great. Give to another church in our community. There's some great churches around. There's Life Coast and Palm Coast Community Church and Parkview and um, Community Baptist. There's some great churches around. Find a church and get plugged in there and start giving of your time, talents, and resources. If you call Epic your church home, you kind of come here on a regular basis, I really challenge you to give here. And there are several ways that you can do that. You heard Mandy talk about that. You can give online. You can give through our giving boxes. But I really challenge you to start becoming a giver. Um, if you're connected with another church, then give there. If you're not connected with a local church, God wants you to be connected with a local church. He really does. It's part of his passion for the world, his local churches. But God wants us to learn how to become like Jesus, and giving is central to that. So there you have it. There are my six reasons why I give. I hope that today somehow you have been challenged and encouraged. I'm going to ask Brandon to come on up. And Brandon is actually going to play a song for us that's going to send us off kind of with a, a reflective, responsive time where we can be challenged in our relationship with God. Sorry, Brandon, let me get this back up here. Um, and at, So as Brandon is, is playing this song, I, I really encourage you to just have a conversation with God right now about this whole giving thing. You know, you've heard my story. You know, I don't know what your story is. But God wants your story to involve being a giver. And um, this song kind of has some elements of a declaration, kind of a moment where we say, you know what, God, I was here at one point, but I'm declaring to move to here. I'm going to move in my relationship with you. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to take some steps. I'm going to put you to the test. And so as this song is playing, I encourage you to talk to God about this. Have some declaration moments where you just decide, God, I'm going to move forward. After you, I want to become like Jesus. And so I'm going to do that in this moment in my relationship with you. So Brandon, lead us on.